So, um, yeah, the first sermon of the year. It's always an interesting one. <laughs> in many ways, I think sometimes it sets the tone for what will happen in the year, what are we thinking, what do we feel the Lord is saying through His Word to the church. Um, oh, just quickly before I start, there's no kids' church today, <laughs> just so you know where, I haven't forgotten, there is next week though, no, there's not next week. It's not next week, but the week after. Okay, so we'll try to be quite quick. I know the kids are, if they want to, after a while, go play outside, I'm sure that's fine. Okay. So what I feel like God is saying to us as a church, and as I've said before, I don't see these as a vision meeting, because as I've preached, the vision is always Christ. But under the banner of Christ, Scripture does provide us with certain insights on how to live. And uh, as I was away, we went to East London on holiday, which was awesome. And uh, as you do, I took a commentary on the book of Galatians. Because I thought, <laughs> I thought it'd be some, uh, some nice holiday reading. Turns out Galatians is quite an intense book. <laughs> I think I got to about chapter 3 about the promise in Abraham. I was like, all right, I'm going to have a holiday now. So I was considering preaching something from the book of Galatians, because there's amazing scriptures in there, right? There's the scriptures of, uh, uh, I've died, but I've been crucified with Christ. And when you read it in the context of Galatians, when Paul says it, it's a massive statement to that church. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I should preach that. But I really felt the whole time like I was being drawn to the book of Romans. Uh, for many of us, Romans is a very intense book. It's Paul's systematic theology in many ways. And uh, there was a certain chapter in Romans, eight. Now a lot of you might know Romans 8. It probably is one of the most magnificent magisterial chapters in the whole Bible. It really is. I mean it's incredible. From the opening lines of Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Or the heartwarming assurance of Romans 8.15. For you have received, not, not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That is incredible. Or the, or the cry of Romans 8.31. What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And that's just three from this passage, which is incredible. It's full and so rich of amazing scriptures. But this week, I wanted to really hone in on one particular set of verses in Romans 8. And that's Romans 8, 12 to 17. And along with the amazing encouragement and edification we get from Romans, I felt that these two passages in particular were important for me and important for us as a church. And I want to explain why. So in this passage of Scripture, there's two themes that I want to work through. And I don't normally do this, but I'd like to work through these Scriptures over the next two weeks. So I will do half of this passage today and half of the passage next week. And today I want to focus on the thing of being led by the Spirit of God. Now Julian alluded to that in his prayer, being led by the Spirit of God. And next week, I've just finished a book about adoption in the Christian Pauline sense. And we're going to speak about being adopted and son of, as sons and heirs with Christ. Now, I hope you get excited about that because we've been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High King. 
I want to get into what that meant in that time. And in the Roman context, the idea of adoption was a massive, massive idea for them as a culture. And Paul uses that so well as he breaks down that scripture. Okay, so let's read our text. Romans 8, 12 to 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, who, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, I don't want to say too much about next week's preach, but there's something in this passage that should get you excited, that we are fellow heirs to an inheritance. Do you know what that inheritance is? <laughs> in one sense. <laughs> we inherit into life, but more than that, our inheritance is God. I mean, think about that. I'm going to receive an earthly inheritance one, from, one day from my parents, hopefully, if they don't spend it all in wild living. But that pales in comparison to what I'll inherit one day with him. Spend hours unpacking just that one scripture. But the question we need to be asking is, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? We've just been told that we need to live by the Spirit, follow the Spirit, and not live by and follow the flesh. But what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? One commentator says this, and it's, I think, quite a, a, a good uh, introduction to what it means. It says, those who by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body are led by the Spirit, and those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. And it ties in so well with Galatians 5.16, which says, so, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There's something about being led by the Spirit where we see evidence of being led by Him, of changing the way we live, of seeing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, are evident when we are led by Him. Now that's not to say that we are perfect all the time and that we will display all the fruits. Trust me, I do not display all the fruits of the Holy Spirit every day. My wife can attest to that. If I'm displaying one or two, I'm doing well. But we are called to move away from these acts of the flesh, things of the flesh that hold us down. And Galatians talks about this as impurity, debauchery, and these are quite obvious ones, but hatred. Rage, rivalries, factions. How do you cause factions? One of the easiest ways to cause a faction in a church is gossip. Instantly factions. And in factions, church is gone. No, hopefully not. But we who are led by the Spirit should be displaying some of the fruits of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5.23. 
So a sign or evidence that we are being led by the Spirit is we are putting to death the things of the flesh and we are living in the things of the Spirit. And the things of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love when you put those two lists together, the one of rivalry and bitterness and anger, love. Peace, self-control, kindness. These are the things that the Spirit works into us as He leads us in all righteousness. The question then for us as a church and for us individually is, are you being led by the Spirit? It's a question I need to ask myself often. Am I following the Spirit in this situation? Or am I following the, my flesh? Am I doing what I know I can do? Or am I submitting it to the Spirit and going, God, I don't know what to do. I could try in my own strength, but I need your Spirit to lead me. Now, that, that word lead or led in the Greek is a word called ago, and it literally means to lead by laying hold of. And it talks uh, specifically about animals, about leading an animal. Now, often when we think of being led by the Holy Spirit, it's kind of this ethereal, the Spirit is leading me. Now, actually, the Spirit has a lead, and He's leading you in a direction. Well, He wants to lead you in a direction. Let me illustrate this. I have a dog. I only have one dog on purpose. Because two might kill me. We took our dog on holiday. Let me just say that's, yeah. These dogs, anyway. Yeah, my dog's name is Juno. If you've never met her, I hope one day you do. She's an incredible animal. <laughs> but when I take her for walks to the park, I put her on a lead, and I'm leading her where she needs to go. And in the same sense, by submitting to me, she is allowing me to lead her. Now, because she is an animal, along the way to the park, I don't know if you've noticed in every suburb in the whole world, there is an abundance of chicken bones all over the street. I don't know where they come from, but someone is spreading chicken bones all over the neighborhood because she will find them. And it's my job to help her, firstly, to not go near them, to avoid them, secondly, to try and correct her if she tries to eat them, and then thirdly, to discipline her when she does eat the bones, because chicken bones are not good for dogs. And the number of times I've stood on the road with my fingers in my dog's mouth, trying to wrestle out a chicken bone. It's not the best. <laughs> it's anti the best. It's terrible. And she just wants to eat the stupid bone. Anyway. And then we go through the journey of reconciliation, and then we're best friends again. <laughs> takes a while, but we, we work it out. <laughs> and hopefully at the end of this journey, she gets to the park and she has an amazing walk and she plays with other dogs with a muzzle on. Because she doesn't have a muzzle on, she attacks other dogs because she's a rescue and she has issues. Okay. <laughs> As I said, we do love her, but she has her challenges. Uh, no illustration is perfect, right? My dog is not a person. It doesn't have a soul. She's not saved. I will not see her in heaven one day. She does not have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I know, it's shocking. 
You can pray all you want. <laughs> but what I want to get out of this illustration is there's a few points that I think we can get from this illustration. And it's a silly illustration on her. And I do love my dog dearly. And that's the first time I've used it as an illustration in a preach. It's good. Uh, I know. I'll use it again. <laughs> Firstly, from our little illustration, being led by the Spirit is not random or inconsistent. I only lead my dog to the park in order that when she wants to go there once a day. But the leading of the Spirit in our lives should be consistent and constant on a daily basis. Being led by the Holy Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit, no, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5.25. Being led by the Spirit means that we are submitting and allowing, in some sense, God to lead. Now, this would seem obvious. Another way to say this is that the Spirit, that we should be governed by the Spirit. Now, that's a tough one, to be governed by the Spirit, to submit your will and your thoughts and your ways completely to the ways of the Holy Spirit. Because we all read that, that amazing scripture in Zechariah where it says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And I think when we read that scripture, we say, By might, by power, by power, and not by the spirit, saith I to myself. And that's where we get into trouble. Because at that point, you're not submitting to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You're going, I've got a plan. Thank you, Jesus, for that amazing scripture. But let me just, let me tell you how this is going to work. And the Spirit waits. And then we knock our head and go, okay, Jesus, lead me. I almost said, Jesus, take the will, but that's, <laughs> sure, that song. <laughs> yeah, don't use that. Being led it means that we are responsible for following. If I put the lead on my dog and she decides to sit down at the park and not to follow me, it's going to be very hard for me to move her from one place to another. In fact, because in my home I'm the alpha, if I can I walk in, and I walk in a different direction, Juno will sit down and not move until I come back. And she will actually pull Haka towards me because she knows I'm where she needs to be. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> it's our responsibility to be following God and to submit ourselves to God. You see, actually what I could do is I could pick her up and carry her. But that would defeat the whole point. Because being led doesn't, doesn't allow us to neglect our own responsibility. And I think actually for some of us, I think sometimes all we want to do is sit down in one place and being led means, God, pick me up and you do everything. And that, unfortunately, as much as I would love it to be the case, is not how sanctification works. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just stood in one place and God did all the work and we arrived in glory going, thank you, Jesus, I did so well. Being sarcastic. <laughs> being led by the Spirit means that He will guide and correct us. The Spirit's role is, is, is making us holy. That word sanctification. 
steering us away from the chicken bones of sin. And this whole passage is so clear that we are to be, by the Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. If we are led by the Spirit, we are constantly putting sin to death. John Owen famously says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And finally, being led means that we are heading and being guided to our ultimate destination, which is forever in glory with Christ, for Juno the park. <laughs> My goal is to lead it to the park. The Spirit's goal is to lead us to our final destination with Christ. So, individually, by being led by the Spirit, we are people who are firstly in Christ, Romans 8.1, who are walking according to the Spirit, 8.4, indwelt by the Spirit, 8.9, and by the Spirit putting to death deeds of the flesh. That's what it means, very quickly, to be led by the Spirit of God and to be sons of God and daughters. Now, along with leading us, the Spirit is also very active in our lives and hopefully in the life of the church. The Holy Spirit uh, plays a number of roles or vital roles in the believer's life. And just to name a few, if we think of them, the, the Holy Spirit, he, he teaches us and reminds us. He convicts the world of sin. He dwells in believers and fills them. I came to, I had this, this epiphany again recently of the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. <laughs> think about that. He gives spiritual gifts to believers. He seals, their li he seals the lives of believers and he helps us in our weakness and he intercedes for us and he comforts us. He runs alongside us. He encourages us. I love this scripture. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he searches our heart, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Let me, let me just repeat that. <laughs> the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to God's will. That's incredible. I don't know. That's wild. As a church, my encouragement and my longing is that are we listening to what God is saying in any given situation and allowing Him to lead us, both individually as people and corporately, because the corporate church is made out of individuals. Our meeting spirit led. We are willing to allow the Spirit to do what He wants to do, or are we stuck to a formula that works and is convenient? Some of our best meetings in this venue have not been planned to be the way they have been, but they've just gone the way they have because the Spirit has led them that way. And it's been amazing. There's many preachers I haven't preached 
And I love to preach. But sometimes God in the Spirit says, no, not today. Thanks for spending your week preparing. That's amazing. But now I'm going to do my thing. And that's incredible. Who am I to talk back to God? Seriously. Spirit, if you want to do something in this meeting, I will lie flat on my face and you can do whatever you want. Who am I? I'm no one. I just lead a church. So what? Seriously, so what? I'm the least of everyone. Where was I? If we as a church are led by the Spirit, are we seeing the gifts of the Spirit in our lives and in our meetings? And just as Julian prayed before, uh, before worship, there's a longing and a wanting to see the gifts of the Spirit displayed in our meetings. And we don't want to do it just because it's something that we do, because we're charismatic. But we want it to be authentic and real and genuine. Oh, God met with us today. God spoke. That person was delivered and it was wild, but it was great. We've had meetings where people have just been rocking and delivered in worship, delivered immediately. No one's laying hands on them. It's happened twice in our meetings and it's incredible. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says this, And what should we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If we're being led by the Spirit, if we're spending time with God, then it feels that we should be coming to church, all of us, with something to give. And sometimes we don't come with something to give because we just need to receive, and that's fine. This is not a legalistic message of if you don't come through that door next week with a prophecy, well, then there's trouble. Sometimes people come with words, and sometimes you just need to sit at Jesus' feet and go, God, help me. <laughs> I often come to church just going, Jesus, help me. I just need you. I often say to people, the pray, the pray, what's that word? The prayer, that's it. The prayer that I pray the most is simply this, Jesus, help me. And when we come to meetings, oh yeah, just help, help. When we come to meetings, are we coming expectant to be led by a spirit? Are we coming with utterances of wisdom? with words of knowledge, with our gifts of faith, our gifts of healing, anticipation and expectancy for works of miracles? Are we open to the, to the Holy Spirit giving us prophetic words, to distinguishing between spirits, to speaking in tongues? And this is the one that people are often the gift I love because people are like, have you ever met, I haven't met anyone yet, who has the gift of the interpretation of tongues? And Dabo, you have that gift. Incredible. I wish I had that gift. <laughs> now, I think as a church, I think we do well. But I want to encourage us to be looking more and more to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I don't want us to drift into this thing of Corinthian chaos. If you read the church at Corinth, those guys were getting it pretty wild. Great alliteration, Dylan, I know, thank you. But I would rather be a church that has a reputation of being alive than a church that has a reputation of being dead. 
or just mediocre. I would rather that the Holy Spirit is leading our meetings and doing stuff in our meetings and people hear about it than just being another church in Musenberg where we have nice meetings and we go home at half past six on the dot because that's what we need to do. What if God doesn't want us to go home at half past six? <laughs> I don't know. We, we usually do, okay? Like it's usually pretty consistent. But what if being led by the Spirit one day we don't? And we're here till eight o'clock worshiping our King. Or what if for eight o'clock we're just praying for each other or speaking in tongues? Or there's just so many words of prophecy that the line is around the hall and the microphone is just waiting there and people are just delivering word after word after word after word of what the Spirit of God is saying to them and to us as a church. As we head into this year, my encouragement would be that we are people, not just people, but sons and daughters who are led now allowing ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God. Now, the second part of that scripture is those who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 